Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. You join me, Chris Bowne, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and Andrew Sankster, our editorial director, as we talk through three topics that have caught our ear and eye of the last week or so in the hotel investment space. First off, we're going to talk about some results. It's coming to be the third quarter results of all the big hotel groups, and we're at the point in the cycle where those there are few that are pretending things are still going okay. There are some more who are talking about things flattening out, and then one or two brave enough, brave souls, who are dumping out some bad news and admitting things are looking a bit negative. One of the few things that, of course, are still positive, and they're all talking about them, and uh, Chris Nassetta of Hilton was keen to concentrate on that, is the size of their pipeline, which, of course, is still in positive territory. And indeed, Nassetta, while admitting that things were looking a bit uh, bit sketchy and there were quite a few clouds on the horizon including Brexit, trade wars and possible impeachment of the president. Um, He did seem to think that uh, never mind that uh, their pipeline would still be growing strongly over the next few years and indeed he thinks that actually harder times mean that he'll get more conversions. Um, But otherwise the numbers were looking pretty flat or a bit weaker than last year weren't they Andrew? They were indeed, yeah. So the RevPAR piece is not looking too great. So it's sort of flatlining to at best 1% growth is the expectation now. But as you've pointed out, the pipeline um, and the new term, the NUG, the net unit growth, is pretty good. So uh, at Hilton, it's in the 6% to 7% range. Hyatt actually has taken the prize so far um, with their nug and they they talked about a nug of 7.9 percent in the third quarter which is very strong indeed um, but i think there's a couple of things i'd highlight from hilton's results and that is despite uh, flatlining revpar ebitda grew a very healthy nine percent um, now the second is the one I've just mentioned, which is this this the, the ongoing strength of the nug. Um, so one is almost tempted to say, well, the, this means that um, hoteliers are finally broken free of the business cycle. Um, well, not quite, um, but I, I think it does show just how resilient the asset light business model is for hoteliers. Um, and I, th- I think the, the global starts in terms of new hotels is still pretty good, not as strong as it is in the US, um, but globally it's 5%. In the US, um, by far the most important market for Hilton, it's expected to be nearly 20% growth in the full year. Quite phenomenal, really, um, in a time when RevPAR is doing so badly. Of course, the, um, they don't have it all their own way because uh, one of the properties that's not in the NUG, uh, very definitely, is the Hilton in Sheffield, where um, their landlord or their, their chief leaseholder Park Hotels, which of course itself was once um, effectively the uh, the landlord of Hilton Properties, um, has has decided to um, to break the lease. And uh, middle of December, they'll be throwing throwing the keys back through the uh, letterbox and closing down the Hilton in Sheffield. Um, so Hilton's not having everything its own way. No, indeed. Well, you're going to get a bit of this reflagging. I think that's the, the, the sign of the times. But um, I think the wider point beyond Hilton and looking at the wider industry here is is just what this means in terms of of the business cycle and um, the analysts at Morgan Stanley had some interesting points to make concerning this this current RevPAR malaise and how maybe maybe um, this cycle is going to prove a little bit different if you look at past 
downturns what we've seen is um, each one getting progressively worse so in the 1990s um, this is in the US uh, Revpar dropped about 2% um, in the early 2000s it was down about 10% then in the late 2000s given you know the big financial crash one of the worst crashes we've had for some time 17% drop now this downturn is not looking anything like that and indeed we seem to be in a period where um, we've just got this flat lining rather than dipping into negative territory will it be really that much different this time around will it just carry on flat lining rather than actually crashing it remains to be seen but the signs are um, given how slow the growth was coming out of the last downturn that the, actually the decline should be equally gentle it remains to be seen well of course the uh, the argument about airbnb was that it, it took off the peaks uh, the surcharge pricing um, in the marketplace for hotels so maybe it'll uh, also ease off the troughs yeah that's an interesting point actually uh, i mean one of the points that morgan stanley makes is that the greater transparency from the internet is perhaps um, um rather than easing off the the peaks and troughs is is accelerating them and they also point out that the hotels in terms of the revpar climb that they usually get in a recovery has been much weaker this time around because the internet's greater transparency has exposed alternative accommodation options um, which is true um, uh, whether this actually then also acts on the flip in terms of the downturn and accelerates the decline again is something we, we, we've got to see um, I think it could get quite tough I mean there is some evidence that compression nights in the marketplace are particularly difficult uh, right now and we're seeing a big decline there um, that's usual in, in a downturn is this going to be made much worse because of this extra availability of accommodation because of the greater transparency through pricing and the new revenue management techniques again let's wait and see right well now we're going to talk about pubs andrew's favorite topic or is it actually beers his favorite beer, topic beer. beer's the favorite but you usually but you, drink that in pubs um you, well you do if you can have a real ale chris because okay. you can only have real ale proper real ale in pub it's an on-premise drink because you, you can of course get bottled real ale um but it's just not the same well let's talk anyway. about the sort of place where you go to get a lovely pint of london pride and that would be a fuller's pub we're going to talk about <laughs> fuller's fuller's smith and turner the brewers they They've, um, they've they've recently announced a deal to buy a, a company called Cotswold Inns and Hotels. It's a £40 million deal. But what's interesting about it is not the scale of it, but the fact that effectively they're buying seven small boutique country hotels. So a bit of a departure, purchasing hotels with bars in rather than purchasing uh pubs with with rooms above um and then the other thing in this sort of area that's that also caught our interest uh, and comes to show that uh, people actually quite like staying in pubs was um the latest review of the hotel brands in the uk from the renowned witch magazine which for those of you who are not in the uk it's uh, run by the, an outfit called the consumers association and they uh, they review everything from which kettle you should buy um when you're well you can no longer make a cup of tea through to the hotel brands and their annual review of the hotel brands was remarkable for a couple of things um this year it was remarkable for the fact that for the seventh year in a row britannia hotels came 
bottom of their survey for customer satisfaction. Um, <laughs> but, but the other thing that was remarkable was up top, um, no surprises, Premier Inn is a very well um very well established very well loved and very consistently highly regarded brand but right alongside them was pub group weatherspoons who as a hotelier uh, were up there with the best of them scoring very well from their guests so. yeah i think they score very well for value i don't, don't think they score very well for cleanliness ah. which is a bit mm. Mm. Um, let's not go there quite yes <laughs> sticky carpets um but yeah, the Cotswolds acquisition. I think I still think it's a case of um, it's still a pub restaurant with rooms rather than the other way around. And it's interesting. We've seen quite a bit of growth in this pubs with rooms um, piece, but they are still primarily businesses. Um, they're like hotels in that they're operational real estate, but they are still primarily um, F and B operations with accommodation alongside them. Um, certainly, if they if they were pure play accommodation, that they'd be. I think that the profitability would be quite a struggle because if you look at Cotswolds, they've got just under twenty nine rooms per property um, that's simply not enough rooms to for an efficient operation I would argue um, and and it's a quite a contrast if you look at the growth of say Travel Lodge and Premier Inn um, they rolled out um, using the land bank next to their pubs but almost all of the new hotels were 40 rooms sometimes 60 rooms and sometimes even 80 rooms um, so that they, they came at it with a very different approach and also these were new build um, in the main um, volumetric build um, um, which gave a sort of cost efficiency which is very important I think to this sort of budget economy uh, accommodation offer and I think what the Cotswolds has is is more premium it's more of an experience it's more a tap into the whole experience piece rather than the um the broader wider economy so i think there's a limit to where you're going to go with this pub stuff but i think that you know they they are a very important option in, in in the accommodation market one that is has been historically very ignored um but as businesses i think they're quite different to the bed factories of say a travel lodge well actually your comment on that makes makes me think of mama shelter where of course um you know the accor people are kind of struggling to understand the slightly different relationship between a much more substantial food and beverage offer versus the accommodation offer in the on the on the floors above um perhaps yeah i mean mama shelter is a great great uh, case in point actually because it's very much you know what sells that why you'd pay a premium to stay there is because of the experience piece because they offer something a slightly more unique and special whereas the the typical um, travel lodge or premier inn isn't it it's it's more of the mcdonald's thing it's consistency it's um clarity of offer which is critical there and um, with mama shelter um perhaps not so much although interestingly i, I think a lot of the uh, mama shelters seem to be popping up in mixed use um in shopping centers and the like i went to one in uh, belgrade it was quite weird seeing this sort of funky um hotel operation in in you know one of the the most mainstream environments imaginable inside a shopping centre so there's sort of slightly inbuilt contradiction there mm, okay well now let's uh, turn our attentions to our third topic and that's looking at the uh, service department and apart hotel uh, sector which 
according to a new piece of research from uh, Lambert Smith Hampton, is looking like the fastest growing segment uh, of the hospitality market in the UK at the very least. Um, and uh, certainly from, from events I've been to elsewhere over the last year or two, uh, people who are actively involved in this sector generally look quite happy with the way it's been performing. Um, so these new niches... Um and um, we've been looking at that for some time with our um, hotel alternatives event, which is now um, being transformed into the Operational Real Estate Festival, which will be next June in Amsterdam. Um, but th these new areas are, have been amongst the fastest growing in the sector, um, whether it's service departments, whether it's hostels or similar um, sort of short term um, rentals. Um, there is a clear pattern with these and is that where at the outset when the niche is becoming established you've got high yields and somewhat skeptical investors um, who have to be compensated with the high yields now as the niche becomes more established um, the yields come down now initially operators in this that they they have to pretty much take on fixed leases um, but as the markets mature um, the need for the fixed leases becomes less apparent and there's a push against that and you're, you're seeing more turnover leases, sometimes even management contracts and ultimately I think where some of these sectors are going to get into will be the sort of franchising bit which is where we are with um, of course hotels. Um, I think the most mature market is the student accommodation market. And there are three real estate investment trusts here, um, Empiric, GCP and Unite in the UK, this is in the UK market. Um, and obviously with REITs, you've got to have a lease and they've established that. But we're, we're at an interesting hinge point now in many, many um, sub markets in the UK where we're close to saturation or perhaps even a beyond saturation and the operators are struggling a little bit and they've got to come up with ever more inventive approaches including short lets during student holidays so coming directly into the the short let accommodation space um, and I, I think this is going to be quite interesting as, as this evolves and how um, we're going to get this blending um, from student accommodation into short-term lets and I think generally we've got this um, blending across all these different sectors so certainly within hostels, you've got Meininger, which is, of course, um, currently in play, about to transact at some point. Um, but they've got this very interesting hybrid model somewhere between a hotel and a hostel. Well, in fact, it is both a hotel and a hostel. Um, and you've got service department operators who've moved from the longer lets into directly competing head-on with the short-term lets and changing their their business units so that they the actual room itself is shrunk in size still perhaps offers a mini kitchenette or something but it, it takes up much less room and therefore is much more economic from a from a, a property investor perspective to to roll out new um, rooms and that makes them able to compete more directly with um, say hotels so it's very interesting how we've got this blending across all the different um, niches now and I think we're going to see much more of that and we're going to see a lot more flexibility coming into the, the new niches in terms of it's not just going to be fixed leases, it's not just going to be high yields, the yields are going to tighten and there'll be lots of different um, ownership um, contracts. Well, because one of the interesting um, sites that you, you've 
bring uh, brings to your your comments bring to mind um, uh, is in London where um, Stay City which is obviously one of the fast growing service department brands is actually in a block that's going to be shared with Premier Inn and um, the pair of them working together so yeah no it's a great deal I mean Tom Walsh the CEO of Stay City I mean he's actually at heart a bit of a property investor he put together that deal it's a very interesting deal M&G came in with that um, uh, yeah, and, and it works very well. This and we've we've talked about double deckers on this podcast in, um, in the recent past, and triple deckers and quadruple deckers, and it certainly makes sense to have all these different uh, types of brands under the one roof, because and, and and be flexible about how they're used. And you know, one you know, we're increasingly seeing hotel companies um, with their existing brands. I mean, I think this week we've seen um, in the past week anyway, Super Eight from Wyndham move into a more flexible approach with its um, with it with that uh, established brand trying to tap in into the sort of hostel type market the back perhaps the backpacker type market by making making their rooms accessible to groups of travelers rather than just say a, a couple um so families etc um so i think we're, we're seeing much more flexibility come in here continue it's a it's an ever-evolving space and a great one to be watching okay well i think that's about all from us this week um so goodbye for now